Welcome to Teaching Brute. Today, we are going to talk about something that every single teacher has to do, and they all do it to certain degrees of completeness. <laughs> Depends on who's watching. Um, <laughs> and how often it has to be handed in. What we're talking about is, of course, making lesson plans. So this uh, podcast in particular is directed at new teachers. Uh, we've been doing a, a new teacher kind of series intermittently, kind of doing a few here and there. So this is another one in that series of what makes up a, a decent lesson plan? What What's, I mean... What are the components? Yes, what are the components? And when, when do you know you've got too little? When do you know you've gone a bit overboard? Yes. Now, I will readily admit that as a classroom teacher, I would say the majority of my prep time is spent on planning, which mm-hmm. of course also means prepping your lesson plans. Um, I'll admit that I'm pretty diligent with them, um, and I include a lot of different things because I like things to go relatively flawlessly within reason, given that I teach eight-year-olds. So nothing is ever flawless. Uh, Be prepared for anything. Yes. That will be, that'll come later. Um, so I, it's, so, but I think there's some pretty standard things that any reasonable lesson plan has in them that mm-hmm. will help you achieve success as a teacher. Yeah, and we are talking about reasonable lesson plans. We're not talking about the ones that are over the top, and we're not talking about the back of the napkin. No. Somewhere no. in between. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, there are days where your family may get you tied up the night before or the day before, and you may have to wing it a little bit on the day. Mm-hmm. And that's normal. I think that just goes to show with life. Yes. Um, so I'd say don't panic if you walk in the day of and go, oh my goodness, I didn't plan anything for this day. That happens to all of us. 11 years into teaching for me, yeah, it happens from time to time. It's just a little bit easier to deal with after 11 years. Yes, it is. It's true. Um, the first thing I will say is that typically for me, I plan about a week out, given flicks. So right now, it's a Sunday. We're doing this on a Sunday, on a Sunday right now. Uh, I know what I'm doing until at least Friday of this week, knowing I'm going to be flexing and changing it and getting new anchor charts ready, stuff like that, within the week. And for me, my lesson plans are drawn from my unit plan. Mm. So theoretically, I'm planned for the next... Well, yeah, I'm planned for the next, like, eight weeks. Um, But, again, there's going to be changes and tweaking and stuff like that. So, you know, every week on Sunday, or lucky me, I've got a double prep first thing Monday mornings. On a Monday morning, I sit down and I look at those lesson plans and adjust based on what's happened last week. Maybe I missed a lesson because somebody was off on a field trip. Or maybe the kids worked through material faster than I thought they did, or they were at a higher level than I thought they were, and they've actually moved along a little bit quicker than I thought. And that's that's one of the biggest things to realize with lesson plans, is that you don't need to hold fast to it if you realize that you're teaching a concept that the kids just got and they're getting bored. Yeah. So we'll get into that in a little bit. Anyways, the first thing that any lesson plan has, in a nutshell, is what are you trying to do? What is your goal? What is your objective of that lesson? And be aware, we're talking we're talking about things that are different from a standard. Mm-hmm. Uh, some schools are standards-driven, some aren't. But your objective may just be one small part of a standard. Yes. So the learning objective, or it could be, you know, what do you want your kids to get out of it? Yeah. That's another way of putting it. So what is it that you want them to have? What's the takeaway for that 
period. Whether it's 30 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, whatever, what is that takeaway supposed to be? For example, uh, we're in the middle of doing informa writing informational texts right now. One of my takeaways, uh, that was actually about two weeks ago, uh, was I just wanted my kids, given, the, given an article, and they were differentiated articles, and we'll get into that in a bit, uh, I wanted them to find the main idea of that article. That was the objective. I wanted to okay. know what the what what was the big idea the author was trying to get across. And last week, I'm in the middle of a composition unit with all of my grade levels, and with one of my lessons, I wanted my grade sevens to be able to explain the difference between moving by step and moving by skip. Good, and. That's as simple as that. That's kind of less part one, part two, because you get the objective, and then you also, because of that, also inherently know what standard are you covering. Yeah. For most people, those standards are going to be written somewhere on a unit plan, rather than just, you know, throwing darts at a board and going, I'm doing this one today. Um, Though, wouldn't you love to throw darts at standards every once in a while? There you go. Anyway, yeah, that'd be cool. I'm doing that one. Uh, anyways, so... You know what standards you're doing because it should be in your, in your unit plans. Mm -hmm. And if you're like uh, me and you're doing multi-subject, then you definitely need those unit plans. That way you really know how the year is planned out and how your, how your week is planned out. and how it, Yeah, you need them. Yes. Um, after you get your objective and your standard, then you want to figure out um, how are you going to know that they got that in the end? Kind of the backwards by design method. That, that's what yeah. a lot of people do it these days. How... What, in the end, how are you going to make sure they know it? Yes. How, how are you measuring the success rate? Yeah. Because if you don't know they know it, the lesson's kind of pointless. It is. Or you might end up having to redo the same lesson because you're not sure if they got it. When in actuality, they did. They just didn't sit there and say, I got this one. Yeah. Or you don't have a way of a measure of knowing that they got it. So just be aware of that. Like that you need to have some sort of end in mind when you're doing this. And when you do have your end in mind, then you can kind of get into the nuts and bolts of the lesson. And the first thing you want to figure out is the engagement. How are you going to get them into the lesson? How are you going to make sure they don't gloss over right off the bat? Yeah, that's a little bit more difficult for some people than it is for others. Granted, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so once you've got that engagement going, and the engagement could be anything from an activity, mm -hmm. a game, or it could just be simply very simple. Could be two sentences. Could be two sentences. Just something to kind of let them know we're getting into this and here's what today is all about. Yeah. And make it interesting to them. And what that interest level looks like depends on your age level, age group, depending, uh, for the most part. I mean, my eight-year-olds prefer something more active as an entry task, uh, a math game, um, a word search, something like that would engage them. Yeah. Um, so once you've got them engaged, then you actually need to move into what the point of your lesson is. So there may be some direct teaching. There may be some modeling. There is a variety of ways that's going to happen. Yep. There might, it might even be an exploratory thing, depending on the way your classroom is set up. Yeah. And the whole point of that is that's your actual core of your lesson design. Yeah. What do you want to do? And there isn't one way to do this because it depends on what you're doing on a given day. If you're doing a measurement-based activity, you may be doing a bit of modeling and a lot of exploration. They may be doing a measurement hunt or a mass hunt. Um, they may be doing something totally different. If they're doing a lesson on main idea, like I talked about before, you may give them an article, and I, without teaching what main idea is, get them to go inquire about the main idea. Or 
You might teach them what main idea is and find the main idea together. Yes, so there's the different things. And then from there, you're gonna have the other activities that are gonna support yeah. that either direct instruction or whatever to really help them practice and solidify whatever that objective is today. Yeah, and that would range from individual partner group activities. Um, it'll change day to day activity to activity. And if you know what your end result is or what your end thing is, you may get a better idea of what you wanna do as the kind of practice of, of, of your objective, of your main idea. And the number of activities that you do are gonna, it's really gonna depend on how much time you have. Yeah. If you are a librarian and you get a 20 minute lesson, you're not gonna be doing four or five different activities. No, and your age group also changes it too. Yeah. Uh, my eight-year-old simply one to two activities at most, and there's a brain break in that makes two. Because if you've got a 40-minute practice, they're not gonna go all 40 minutes of that time reasonably. You need to give them a break inside that. Or you may create two different activities, which kind of breaks it up a little bit. There may be an independent practice with a game or something like that. So it depends on what you're doing and what the lesson is, but there is going to be something of a practice time. Yes. Um, and then after they've had all of that practice, that's when you as a teacher should have a pretty good idea of whether or not they've achieved what it was that you wanted them to achieve. Yeah. And there's different ways for you to know that. Yeah. It could range from, in the case of certain math activities, could be a game where you're able to write notes as they're playing it, to an exit ticket, which asks them a few different questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a whole host of different things we could chuck in here for what a good wrap-up activity is. Yes, absolutely. The important thing, though, is that you can pinpoint who knows it, who doesn't know it. Yeah. And then once you've got all that done, and once you know how you're going to collect this activity, how you know how you're going to look at it after the fact, how you're going to figure out whether that's anecdotal notes, observational records, checklists, mm -hmm. or something they hand in to you. Yep. And you've got it all written down. And the last thing you need to look at is what are you actually going to need? Physically, need to do it. What materials and equipment are you going to need to get this all done? And I'm saying that last because you don't know what you're going to need. Until you actually write out the lesson plan. Yeah. So though materials and equipment might often appear, if you look at some standardized math programs and literacy programs, you're going to get the materials as one of the first few things in the written out lessons. But yeah. I guarantee they didn't know where they were going to use those until mm -hmm. they figured out the whole lesson. Exactly. The other thing on my lesson plans, there are two other boxes that I include. Okay. One of the boxes is for differentiation, yep. whether that is an extension thing or a scaffolding thing. Yep. But I've got a box for that because you know what? I've got three different grade two classes and they're all at different levels. Yep. And even within those classes, those kids are at different levels. So some activities might work and other ones wouldn't. So I make sure that I've got something there. And I also have a box called teacher reflection. Yeah, good move. Because uh there are days when I think I've got a rockin' lesson Wow, it goes down like a lead balloon. Yes. Or there's other days when I don't get through nearly the amount of material that I think I would. So I put a little note in there. It doesn't have to be anything big, but I put a little note in there saying, next year, break this into two lessons. Or if you realize, start your lesson, I have these same two components, and I'll talk about them in a second, and the differentiation one in a second. But if you did a lesson and realized you lost the students with what you designed, that's no fault of your own. Sometimes you think something will work and it doesn't. 
and you had to tweak it heavily during the lesson, mm-hmm. you got to record that somewhere. Like, this idea didn't work. Here's what I had to do instead. Yes. And it's always important that you do that the same day. Yes. Write it down because two days later, it's that vague, remember, I gone. was supposed to, She's what? all gone. Um, or if it might not be all gone, but yeah, it's going to be, it's sort of like a fading dream. Um, the differentiation for the, um, spe- for the non-specialist teachers, the generalists like myself, um, similar thing really. I mean, if you've got literacy, you've got kids reading at all levels, writing at all levels, math skills and abilities are all at all levels. So you should be recording how you're going to make sure that the different levels in your class are being met. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do to make sure that they know where they're going in a way that meets their needs while also still hitting the standards. But that's a whole different topic. That's a whole other podcast. That is a whole other podcast. I'll write that down. Please do. All right. So um, those are the nuts and bolts of great lesson plans of the, of the like what a general lesson plan looks like. So for those new teachers who are kind of like, oh, there's got to be an online template for this somewhere. Yeah. There is a ton of online templates. But I gotta say, most of them are very much geared towards the teacher that's been teaching for 15 or 20 years and is basically needing a back of the napkin note-taking device. Yes. They don't really include a whole bunch of these other things that we've talked about. Um, But talk to the people at your school. It's very possible that your school might actually have a lesson plan template already, especially if you are teaching in a program such as PYP. Yeah. You know, a lot of PYP schools have their own lesson plan template. Not all of them, but a lot of them do. So t- and take a look for those. And, if, and at the very least, if you're still confuddled, email well, us. Email us. We'll give you a, a thing or two. Yeah. Um, and before we go, I also want to give a little shout out. We've been looking at our analytics a little bit. And I analytics are fun. Analytics. Basically meaning... Who are who's listening? And I want to give a little shout out to the folks over at Kitchener Waterloo area. I have no idea who you are. I just know where you're coming from, Kitchener Waterloo area, and uh, the, the great province of Ontario, Woo-hoo! Canada. Uh, thank you for listening. And also giving a shout out to the folks in Shenzhen, China, just across the border from us here in Hong Kong. Yep. So awesome. Thanks for listening, guys. If you found something in this podcast useful, please, please, please make sure you leave us a review. Yep. And tweet at us, email us, find us online. Yep. We're there. Cool. Have a great night, everyone. Bye. Bye.